back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 Fan. It's Friday. Justin has pulled up the record book of his buddy who beat the all-time Guinness Book of World Record burpee 24-hour stretch. Okay, so I think I think the world record, and I think he did it again like a year later. I don't know what's... He wanted that record some, back. He's going to need some other hobbies. <laughs> 3,000 burpees in five hours and 46 minutes oh, was whoa. the initial. And then I think 4,545 chest-to-floor burpees in 12 hours a year later, another world record. That's disgusting. And it's just like, it's like he's crossing the Sahara looking at him. Like, he just looks <laughs> totally disheveled. Very, very funny. But congr- be, congratulations to him once again. Yeah, he could be a key uh, highlight at the NFL Combine, which was last week in Indianapolis. Um, maybe not as good as Anthony Richardson, who's become just the the highlight machine, the highlight reel of the Combine. And Charles Davis, NFL and CBS color analyst, was there to see him in person, I believe, Charles. Uh, the real deal, Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's good to talk with you again. Good to hear your voices. Before I even get to Anthony Richardson, do do you really want to have the record for burpees? No, you like, don't at all. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I hear burpees, and I'm like, oh, I mean, it's almost PTSD from my playing career. Burpees, mountain climbers, you know, running the stairs, all that stuff. And I'm like, no. Well, no, absolutely not. That might be the key to going into a record book, book, though. You do something or you aim to do something that everybody mm. else hates really well, it's probably your best chance to get into a, a record book. It's true. That's a great point. It's an excellent point. The next question that arises is, once you do it, who actually knows you did it? I think that's actually the funny thing about this story is I think someone else did it like very soon after to take it away. I think that's why he did it again because <laughs> someone, like three people someone immediately cut his grass. It's like, I, I think that's com- competitive though. Like you're trying to find ways to beat records and if someone sees something that changes, they think they can do it and then you don't hold on to records for very long for that reason. I love it. Absolutely love it. I love the fact that two people in the world are in competition with each other for that. So Probably have no idea to... who each other are. They're just like, they're just you know, burping each other from continent, from I'll, different I'll, continents. I, it'd be great if they were trash talking. I will out burpee you, man. You don't want no part of this. So that part would be great. But, but Ailish, back to Anthony Richardson, he did... This is going to sound trite, and I don't mean for it to, but he didn't do anything we didn't expect. Like, it was phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. And for, you know, the the football world, the people watching, the whole deal, not everyone was locked in on the fact that this guy was a phenomenal athlete. They may have heard it. They may have seen some games. But to do what he did, and, he, and now we're talking the records at the Combine and all the quarterback records just, you know, just fell, just shattered. Like like Costner in in in, in uh, the Guardian when he was the you know the swimming guy that saved everyone and, and all the records just just got destroyed right by Ashton Ashton Kutcher destroyed his records that's what Anthony Richardson did now the key is and it's hard for evaluators everywhere because let's face it we're about fifty fifty all the time when we decide whether a guy's good or not is he the quarterback of the future for a team he certainly looks the part. The potential is more than there. He's only had 13 starts in college. 
but we're not going to get the old Bill Parcells quarterback formula anymore because kids don't stay in college as long. But he certainly looks like a guy that every coach who coaches quarterbacks would would raise their hand and say, please, may I have him, please? (laughs) Because he, you know, if everything gets unlocked, he he advances us into the future about quarterback play and and body type and and how we're going to do things right. He I mean Cam Newton is still my number one prototype, but this kid's faster, you know. Like he is a he's a, he's a Cam was much more of a power runner. This kid is a legitimate sprinter, and off we go. But I will tell you this: if I'm drafting him, I'd be very leery about drafting him this year to be my starter as a rookie. I'd be much more comfortable drafting him and hoping I can play him behind someone and he could try and take over starting next year after a full year of work. That's just me. And you guys know that's unusual when I draft a quarterback in the first round. Typically, I'm saying I'm drafting him to play him. Mm. Why waste time? But I think this kid has the potential to be great. I just don't want to lose it right out of his rookie year. I mean, you raise a good point. I wonder how much your draft stock can improve as a quarterback when you go to, obviously, you know, he's breaking records. But when you go to a combine like this, because, you know, it's different in this position more than being athletically gifted like he is compared to like a running back who you're going to be able to see right away. Is it harder for quarterbacks to improve their draft stock at a combine because it is a a specific position that means more than just being athletically (laughs) inclined? Good question. I think the answer is probably yes, Alish. But there's also caveats that go with it. And Anthony Richardson is actually a great example of that. Because coming into all this, 13 starts, inconsistent game tape. You know, you never saw him do certain things. You saw issues with his footwork, blah, blah, blah. But then you saw breathtaking plays. But here we are now. If I'm evaluating him, and I think there's a lot of people that see it the way that I do in terms of if I could get my hands on Anthony Richardson but not have to play him right away, life would be great. Well, typically if you're picking in the top ten, you don't have time to wait, right? You're trying to get good in a hurry. But Seattle went to the playoffs last year, just re-signed Geno Smith, and they have a pick at five. Geno's 32, 33 years old. And last year, we got to find out whether it was a miracle year or not, don't we? Because he hadn't shown that. You could draft Anthony Richardson at five and be your quarterback for the future with no pressure on him playing now. And if you didn't have that, if Seattle didn't have that option, you're now asking teams, are you drafting him to be your starter, right? Las Vegas at seven. The Colts at four. What are the Bears going to do at one? Probably trade out. Houston at two. You're probably thinking whoever you draft in those spots will be your starter as a rookie. Is that what you want to do with Anthony Richardson would be the question you'd have to ask teams. So the you mentioned there was Chicago likely trading out because they have their quarterback in Justin Fields and they have to uh, build around uh, that star signal caller. But the expectation, right, that someone will swoop in and, and uh, make a move for a quarterback, choose a quarterback first overall, Stroud, Bryce Young, and maybe Anthony Richardson being the ones that are uh, considered for that. Is it? Yeah, is don't it, forget Will Levis out of Kentucky. And Will Levis as well. But when it, does it come down to, you know, 
when choosing between the quarterbacks, who's going to go first overall? Is it going to be the quarterback that someone might be most desperate to get? Like Bryce Young is the probably the safest pick. Maybe C.J. Stroud's the safest pick. But Anthony Richardson, with all like the metrics popping, the the numbers, the records, all that stuff, is it as simple, or it might come down to who's well, willing to pay the biggest price because they believe potentially in the potential that Richardson has? Like, is that how we should be looking at it, or should we be looking at the safest pick being Bryce Young? Someone will move up and make that move, and we expect him to be the first overall pick. Justin, each team has a different threshold for where their gambling is, if we want to call it that. Right, you know, for for how high they want to go for potential versus my guy right now, and each team will have a different grade. All right, so if you're asking me, I think Bryce Young's the best quarterback in this draft. Obviously, what's the major concern with Bryce Young? Size. He measured a little over five ten. He weighed two oh four. I don't know if they searched him for bricks in his pocket or not. Okay, because he's never been two oh four before. But I actually talked to him at the combine and told him, whatever you do, young man, don't ever get measured again and don't step on another scale. You hit 204, call it a day. All right? You, you kind of won that battle. Mm-hmm. Keep moving. Stroud, probably my number two guy. My number three guy is, probably, you know, is, is, is a mix, but I'm telling you, and it sounds like a homer call because I'm a Tennessee guy, but Hendon Hooker doesn't hurt his knee. I think he's better than Levis, and I think he's better than Richardson. But Richardson is the most gorgeous prospect in this draft. If you say, carve me a quarterback, Richardson's the guy who's most physically gifted one in this draft. So to your point, somebody's going to say, that's my guy, and I'm just saying I hope it's for a year from now. Remember, Mahomes sat for an entire year. Carson Palmer back in the day sat for an entire year. Certain guys are built to be ready to go right now. I don't know that Anthony Richardson is, but he could be built to go for the next 15 if you do things right the first year. So that's going to be the interesting part. Who makes the move? Because Indianapolis has all but told everybody it has to be one of these guys. Are they going to make the biggest move with Chicago to go get the one they truly want? And each team has a different guy, I think, at the top of their draft board, although I do think out of the 32 teams, it's much more of a debate between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud at the top of each team's uh, draft board. So if we're connecting dots here and Richardson needs time, there's been some reporting that Jimmy G and the Texans might be a match. If the Texans are two and they maybe are holding off for an uber prospect like Richardson, would that not make the most sense? A little stopgap with Jimmy Garoppolo? and go get Richardson at number two? That would be phenomenal if they pulled that off. That that works out really well, Justin, because Jimmy G, as much success as he's had, he's had probably as many injuries. So people are going to view him much more as a bridge quarterback than they are as their quarterback into the future. So what you're saying makes a ton of sense right there if you're trying to go about doing it. So that's what's going you know, you've already illuminated where the – where, where, where the, 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 the trading, where the discussion, where the intrigue goes into all of this, how do, these guys, how do these teams view these people? Bryce Young, I think, is the most ready to play right now. Size or not, I'm past that part. If this were the NFL of the 1980s, I'd be terrified at Bryce Young's size because the way we played the game back then, those quarterbacks took the most ungodly hits you have ever seen. 
And by the way, go back and take a look at the size of quarterbacks in the 80s and into the 90s. They were mastodons. Nowadays, we don't have to have the mastodon. The game's played differently. The quarterback's protected better. So the Drew Breeses of the world, the Russell Wilsons of the world, the Bryce Youngs of the world, Kyler Murrays of the world, they can be not just considered, but can play at a pro bowl, all pro level, and take their teams to playoffs and, and, and potentially Super Bowls. A little bit different game. Let's take a look at uh, the current quarterback marquee moment with Lamar Jackson this week. Um, the Ravens, our question here is, are, are the Ravens doing this uh, but the non-exclusive franchise tag to wash their hands of the negotiation process and we'll just match whatever um, just to stop with like the back and forth of Lamar Jackson? Or, or do you think this is headed towards a divorce? I think it's much more towards the former Alish, but I don't think it's to wash as much more. Lamar, we've been going about this for two years. You have no no certified NFL representation, meaning he does not have a certified NFL agent. He's doing it himself. I believe his mom's involved, probably some other advisors. More power to it, right? It's his call to do. Roquan Smith, the linebacker they traded for with the Bears, he had no certified NFL representation. They traded for him and got the deal done during the season last year. So it can be done. It's not like it can't, but it's harder to do because those hard truths as teams see it and the other side sees it, they come out negotiating. That's why we have agents. I don't want to be in the room when they're trying to do my contract and they're telling me, telling my agents all my flaws. <laughs> okay. Because I am of the school of, you know, remember the Godfather when he said it's not personal, it's just business. We've kind of lived by that adage since the Godfather, right? I'm of the opinion that there's very few things as personal as doing business. So when I start to have to sit in the room and hear all my flaws, I'm going to remember you said that, Mr. and Mrs. Ownership, and that doesn't feel real great to me. So that's why teams hate doing this. But to your point, I think that what they finally said is we've negotiated for two years. We've tried to get this done. You don't like anything we've done because you want – what Deshaun Watson got, which is fully guaranteed money, was a $230 million deal. And you know when that contract was signed, 31 other teams wanted to go to Cleveland and take out the Browns' ownership. Because they, because, because we have an expression, done messed it up for everyone. And, that's what, and, and, and by the way, Baltimore knew they were next in the queue, and that really upset them because they're like, oh, now we got to deal with Lamar like this. Here's the bottom line. Non-exclusive tag, right, which means everyone gets a chance to negotiate with him. He can come back with the best offer, and Baltimore gets a chance to match. If Baltimore doesn't match, Baltimore gets two first-round picks from the team that signs him. So what they're saying to him is, we've tried it. It hasn't come to an agreement. See what you can get. And to your point, they believe that there's no way anyone's going to offer 230 guaranteed all money. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the thing is. We match. We have our quarterback. That's kind of where it's playing out right now. Baltimore does not want a divorce. And, I, and truthfully, I don't think Lamar Jackson wants a divorce. He just wants the most money he can get guaranteed. And, by the way, since the Deshaun Watson deal, Kyler Murray signed, right? <laughs> Russell Wilson signed with Denver. Neither one of them got 230 guaranteed. 
So this kind of feels like a masterclass, honestly, if you're the Baltimore Ravens. Like, you kind of, you understand the anger from the Deshaun Watson deal. You understand that you do covered this quarterback still so you're willing to pay pretty much whatever price that anyone else is but if everyone else knows that like if you send the message yeah yeah we're matching like don't even bother then why would anyone do them a favor by signing the contract like it just seems like ultimately baltimore is going to get whatever it wants here am i reading the tea leaves correctly i think you are i think you're on track with that i think that that's how baltimore sees it i think the whole league would get rocked if someone came in and said guess what Deshaun Watson, money all in, guaranteed. We would all be surprised by that, but then Lamar wins, and Baltimore gets two first-round picks. But they just don't believe that's out there. And what was very strange, and I think you guys all, I think you both noticed it, when this thing started up and they, and they put the non-exclusive tag on him, did you see how fast certain teams announced that they were not in the market for Lamar Jackson, even though they had a quarterback in the heat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was shocking. weird. It shocking. was like five in a row. <laughs> and that was strange because every time you want to bring up the C word in, in, in the NFL, and it's collusion, folks, before you think I'm going somewhere else. This, this is where you say, well, there's no collusion, and then teams come up and go, well, we're quarterback needy, but we're not in the market. Mm. What? For, 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 for an MVP All-Pro? Well, there's other factors. You have to change your style of offense. It affects your salary cap, as you know. Where does your money go for this? Can you remake your team to fit him best? You know, or do you believe in him truly as a thrower? Has he improved that much for you? All those questions start to kick in. In Baltimore, there are no questions. They're fully committed to him, his style of play. And by the way, when he's on the field, 41-16 and 16 is Baltimore in the regular season when he starts. That's not bad. <laughs> The quarterback carousel uh, continues to rotate with Aaron Rodgers flirting with the Jets. Seems like more than flirting at this point. Um, what would this mean for the Jets and the Packers to have Rodgers make this decision, come out of the cave, have the conversation <laughs> with the Jets, and have it be the place that he continues his career? So when he came out, did you guys play the Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel? Did oh, you guys play we that? missed that opportunity. <laughs> right? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure we were all thinking it along those lines. Look, the way I look at it is this. It certainly feels like Green Bay's ready for Aaron to go somewhere else. When Brett Favre was there and they went through this, their, gen- their general manager at the time, Ted Thompson, Remember they went one extra year with Favre when he said, I want to come back, and he did. And then the next year he flirted around, and Ted Thompson said, well, the decision is no longer yours. We're going with Aaron Rodgers. The Packers haven't done that in this case with with, with Brian Gutekunst as the GM, but it certainly feels like they are ready to do that. And here we are. Favre went to the Jets that time. Here's Rodgers with a chance to go to the Jets. I feel like for the Packers, it would be pure relief. We're done with this dance. And for the Jets, it would signify we are, it's almost like the Rams a couple years ago. You're not wearing t-shirts that say F those picks, but what you're saying is we're going for it. That defense, Aaron Rodgers, we're going for the whole deal. But if you're the Jets, wouldn't you want to get some type of indication that he wants to do it for more than one year? You want to get a couple years out of this whole thing at least while you try and bridge it from there because you're never sure that you're going to get Zach Wilson back as a viable starter. 
So he definitely changes the reality for the Jets if he ends up there. Uh, I think there's players openly campaigning for it already. They want it for sure. It makes them maybe a Super Bowl contender with that defense. Uh, Short-term gain for sure if Aaron Rodgers ends up in New York because he's a massive upgrade uh, on what they had. But I kind of, I'm more intrigued with the other side of the equation. Like, I think we, we, sh- we should be, like, majorly bullish on the Green Bay Packers if they dump Aaron Rodgers and get maybe a bunch of picks, but more importantly, a bunch of cap space to surround Jordan Love with talent. Would the Packers be better off losing Aaron Rodgers? I think that at this stage, yes, just because of the atmosphere, Justin. You know, they've, they've been, kept him around. He's been around for the last, let's call it three, four years, right? We've kind of danced this dance for a while, all right? And in that time... They've won 13 games, 13 games, 13 games, and still not gotten to the Super Bowl, right? They got to an NFC Championship game. They got beaten the divisional round, I think, twice, and then they didn't make the playoffs last year. So I think the Green Bay is just ready to make that move. They drafted Jordan Love for a reason. Will he ultimately be Aaron Rodgers? We don't know. We didn't know Aaron Rodgers would be Brett Favre. You know, you hope so when you draft a guy. You're not exactly thinking they will be, but – Kenny, and as you pointed out, now you're doing some other things. The one thing I will tell you is this. I will be stunned if Rodgers goes to the Jets and it yields a number one pick. I don't think that's in play. I think people are talking about it because of Rodgers' talents. But guess what? There aren't a whole lot of people that you're, you're negotiating with to drive the price up. Mm. So the stare down starts in, and if you're the Jets, you just hang in there. Like, Green Bay's going to demand a one, and you go, no, no. And who's going to jump in and make that change? Is it going to be the Raiders? It doesn't seem like it. So if no one's going to change it, guess what? Okay, guys, if you won't get, if you don't want to let Aaron go for anything less than a one, fine, we're out. Now you still have Aaron. What are you going to do? Yeah, they're certainly in the position of power there. Yeah. I think the Jets are in a much, much stronger position than I think people are giving them credit for. Because unless another suitor emerges, it's the Jets or it's the Jets or bust. And if you're Green Bay, I don't think you want to keep Aaron anymore. So you're going to end up taking what you can get on this. Uh, Charles, last one for you here quickly. Uh, free agencies around the corner. I believe it opens Monday and uh, or yeah, Monday. Um, so a couple of days really. Um, your biggest point of intrigue heading into this with some top free agents available, but also teams that might be looking to add. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird one because it's quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. But there's some offensive tackles that are out there that can change some fortunes. Mike McGlinchey with the 49ers, and that's a really good offensive line. That could change things for, for how they do it if he indeed leaves. Orlando Brown with Kansas City, you know, they paid a heavy premium to bring him over, and they want to keep him and keep that going. They just had a really nice Super Bowl against Philadelphia. Uh, Jawan Taylor. People don't talk about it much with Jacksonville. They're starting right tackle. Those guys now have a pretty good market out there, even a Caleb McGarry with the Atlanta Falcons because offensive tackles who are dependable and can play, it's a big-time premium. Now, it is a pretty decent offensive tackle draft coming up, but these guys all have value, big-time value. and We'll see how that all plays out. Runners, as usual, don't have the value you would expect. Poor Miles Sanders with Philadelphia. Not a ton of leverage. And by the way, Philadelphia has the number 10 pick in the draft because of some, some previous dealings. What if somehow Philadelphia said, you know something? 
we love fortifying offensive and defensive line. But if B. John Robinson from Texas, the number one runner in the draft, is still there at 10, there's a strong possibility he'll still be there at 10. If you're Philadelphia, you can go right there and keep moving. A couple days away from finding out if uh, the dominoes start to fall. Charles, appreciate you joining us this morning. What a nice Friday treat to have you on the air. Great treat for me to be with you two as well. You take care of yourselves. You guys have helped me big time. Been a little sad this week, and you're helping bring me out of it a little bit. You guys take care, okay? You do the same for us, Charles. Uh, we'll chat with you in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Charles I don't Davis. I like to hear that. Charles NFL Davis sad? CBS color analyst. Makes me sad. Yeah, well, I'll just text him after. <laughs> Make sure everything's all right. Yeah, uh, bestie. Couple things on Green Bay there, because you know I'm itching mm. to maybe pull the trigger on some Green Bay bets. Because I like I like having things in there for like ten months, so I don't, just don't I hate spend it. that money. I know you do. Two sixty to win the division. Okay. Sixty six to one, Jordan Love MVP. Oh wow. Fourteen to one. To you're go not to the seeing Super Bowl? that money. I know you're not doing that. No. I'm just saying I'm gonna. Be, I, I got to buy some Green Bay stock. I got to do it. They're gonna be, free agency right around the corner. Yeah. Dump off what fifty million dollars, Aaron Rodgers, and be like, okay, let's spend you're this. Right. You're on to something. Why wouldn't all the players want to go there? I'm gonna have to do something this weekend. Well, you can do something on July 16th if you'd like as well. Go see Sam Hunt at Bud Stage as a part of his On the Outskirts tour with special guests Brett Young and Lily Rose. We've been giving away tickets all week long. Today, the last giveaway. Enter today's code word at five ninety five ninety. The code word is cop car. Don't be texting this while you're next to a cop car in the DVP, okay? Responsible texting, cop it's car. It's not a race. Just get in there. Just cop get in the queue car. and we'll, we'll consider it. 595.90 cop car right now. Today's the last day for this giveaway. If you don't win with us, make sure you visit Ticketmaster.ca to secure tickets starting at 10 a.m. Eastern cop car. One more, and this might be the best one. Matt Villafleur, 35 to 1 coach of the year. You lose Aaron, narrative play. That's true. Oh, People love a narrative play. Success with a new quarterback. Unexpected division title, 35 to 1. I think they're worse. Okay, That's Justin. Out there. Just saying. All right. Uh, I got a chance to talk to Russell Martin yesterday. Um, I did ask him about those Team Canada jerseys, mm-hmm. and he did not hold back. Really? Oh, yeah. Burn them to the ground. I'm maybe looking forward to hearing of, that. Maybe a bit hyperbole. Okay. We're going to chat on the other side of the break with Russell Martin, four-time All-Star, Gold Glove winner, and current Team Canada coach at the World Baseball Classic. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's Friday on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan Team Canada was not selected in our automated draft last uh, week when we selected our teams for the World Baseball Classic. We have to do an update on that today as well because I got to see where my squad's at Um, because Canada was not really in the top eight of our selection. It's a team play. It's a team play. Um, But someone that's there coaching away, former Blue Jay Russell Martin, I got a chance to chat with him yesterday about Canada's perspective on the World Baseball Classic. They're not going in there uh, as a juggernaut, looking to win, but looking to learn, looking to have some relationship between the young guys and the old guys and continue growing 
Canadian baseball in this country. And here's our chat with Russell Martin. So it's been nearly a year since you formally retired. We got a chance to talk to you on our show, um, basically right after you announced your retirement. I guess, first of all, how's retirement life treating you and what have you been up to? Uh, retirement life's been good. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time with the family. got three daughters, four, three, and, and seven months. And um, been pretty much playing golf and hanging out with them and you know, just, just being a dad and then, you know, staying involved a little bit with baseball, but um, not not like in a full-time position or anything like that. Sounds like a nice life. <laughs> Golf, family, a little bit of baseball, uh, well-deserved for sure. And I know you're over at, uh, the, with Team Canada, with the World Baseball Classic. Um, you had your first tune-up already yesterday against the Cubs. Um, obviously uh, not the outcome you wanted, but when you come into a tournament like this, how do you guys set your expectations initially into the opportunity at hand and where your roster is right now? Um. I mean, it's, it's a good question. I think what you do is you just take it day by day. Um, you know that we have a a young team. I mean, it's actually a mix of young and not so young. So it's it kind of interesting. Um, but we we have some we have some thunder in our lineup, and and we have some some good arms in the bullpen. And um, you know we don't we know that we don't have all our best players. Um, some of them just couldn't make it. Um, but it's in, in these style of tournaments. You just compete day to day, and then anything can happen, really. You know, it just takes, you know, you can just have one good day and, 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 and beat a better team. And, you know, we know that, you know, there's Team USA is going to be an excellent team and definitely going to be tough to beat. But, you know, uh, stranger things have happened. So you mentioned kind of the wide variety of, of players and of age, but uh, of course anchored by Freddie Freeman, and he's a big name, and I think a lot of Canadian baseball fans are really excited to see what he brings. In your time working leading up to the tournament, what's Freddie Freeman done to this Canadian roster? Well, I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball, so you have that guy on your team, you definitely feel better about your chances. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's just, you know, just a, the ultimate pro just shows up and, and always has a smile on his face and and um, he kind of just sets the tone for our lineup you know we know that with him there you know he, he can have a big he can have a big day just needs to get, get some guys on base and and, and kind of just let him do his thing um, but you know there's guys like Tyler O'Neill and, and and then we have uh, Abraham Toro and, and Edward Julian so we, we have talent on our team um, scored some runs yesterday I think we scored seven runs and um, hit a couple homers and stuff. So, so we have some power throughout our lineup, and um, well, we're definitely going to be a, a threat with the bat. Uh, we just got to um, make sure that uh, you know we keep the other team from scoring more runs than we do. <laughs> We talked to Tyler O'Neill about a month ago, actually, and a lot about his fitness routine. The guy's jacked. He's absolutely put a lot of work into the gym. So we know him a little bit through the show, but it sounds like a great group of guys. And I think the, the Toronto fans are, are pretty interested to hear about 39-year-old John Axford, who obviously had some time here with uh, Toronto, and now he's making this ec- epic comeback journey. What's it like having him around as well with the veteran presence and just kind of the storyline going into it of, of his journey? to this point i mean he acts is one of my favorites he, he's a special cat he um <laughs> you know he's i mean he's almost 40 years old and 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 i think the last time he kind of did the same thing where he wasn't sure if he wanted to play again he showed up and he started throwing like 95 96 
Um, I don't think he's quite light, lighting up the gun that much uh, this time around. Um, but he can definitely get guys out for us. And um, he's just the kind of guy that you just you just feel relaxed when you're around him. You know, he just, he's not too stressed. Um, he's going to go out there and then just give it, he's going to give everything he has. And, um, and I think kids, you know, the kids, the younger guys appreciate that presence where guys are kind of just feeling relaxed and kind of can kind of tame some of those, uh, those nerves and emotions that you have in big tournaments. So that's, uh, that's definitely what Axford brings. Yeah. A, a great storyline to follow for sure. I think people are really excited just to see him back in it and enjoyable, um, for you, I believe this is your first venture into coaching. Is that right? And, and how so did this come up, um, come up and is it something you're interested in maybe doing at the higher levels of the MLB? I've been asked that question before about coaching in, in the MLB and at the moment it's, I just don't really see myself committing to, to, cause it's, it's, a long time you know the season's really long it's grueling and as a coach you spend more time at the field than you do when you were a player um mm-hmm. it's definitely so it's interesting to me but I, I think at the moment probably until the youngest kid starts school you know i'm probably just gonna try and and i want to stay involved maybe just like in a limited capacity so um i saw edwin encarnacion um as like a, a special guest coach kind of thing and and, and that kind of looks kind of cool so Maybe I can, you know, do stuff like that and maybe, like, roam around, help the catchers out a little bit. And, and um, I don't know if the Blue Jays are open to that or whatnot, but, you know, I'm, I'm, sure, if, I'm sure they wouldn't mind if, if, to have me maybe, like, help the catchers <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm and, sure and, they wouldn't. and do that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then you got more time for golf, too. You can't get out, out into retirement and then get back into the game. Enjoy, enjoy some time where you can do uh, what you'd like to do. But I like that idea, you know, tiptoe your way in there, but don't commit um, overly. So you did play in this World Baseball Classic uh, back in 2009, and now you're coaching in it. I, I wonder what that journey is like for you. It's the first time since it's taken place in a little while, um, getting back in the fold. And I guess, you know, representing Canada, I'm sure, is always a really special moment that a lot of baseball players don't get the opportunity to do. You're right. I mean, just any chance you get to put on that Canadian uniform and, and it's, it's, it's not just about the uniform. It's, it's the guys that are, that are involved in the organization. Um, you know, like to not just, not just the players, the coaches, like, and, and just the staff, the, the people that, you know, that kind of make things run smoothly. Um, there's good people. And, and, and that's what you remember when you're away from the game, you know, you start missing the people that, that were around. And, and um, so getting an opportunity to kind of, get back in the mix and, and see those people and, and just have fun and, and put on a uniform and be on the field. It's, uh, it, it's a good time. And, and I tell you what, the weather here is probably a little bit better than it is in Toronto and Montreal at the moment. So I'm, I'm not mad at that either. Yeah, it is. Thanks. Rub it in. I uh, appreciate it. It's, uh, it's brisk <laughs> here. We're all bundled up, but I think spring's around the corner. So I'm being optimistic. Um, okay. So you mentioned those jerseys. I, I gotta say what's going on with the, with the uniforms. I, I think less than uh, a little bit highly anticipated unveiling was was maybe less than uh, ideal. What do you are they better in person? Is what I'm saying. They're not better in person. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I don't want to rag on them too much. I don't think the guys are are that excited about them. But um, you know, it's it's hopefully they got some wins in them. You know, maybe like they're yeah. not going to win any style points, but maybe we'll get some W's from them. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. As long as you play better than the jerseys look, I think that's a good standard set. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and we'll try and do that. There you go. Um, okay, so in terms of just baseball Canada in general, um, 
I'm not sure how involved or how much you keep an eye on the grassroots level, but you're at least seeing some young talent in the pool here coming up with the rosters and, and at least at training. Um, would you say that it's a, a good a, a good place right now? And if it's something that needs growth, um, how how does that start? Um, well, I think the future is bright. I, I definitely think that there's that there's guys that are kind of just right on the fringe of, of kind of making their way into the big leagues. Um, and there's talent and there's lots of it. It's just, um, you know, it's just, it's just when you get to that next level, it's like, how are you going to respond? You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's baseball's a game of adjustments and, but there's guys with tremendous ability and, and talent. You just got to keep nourishing it and, and keep working on it. And, and, um, you know, and, and hopefully it translates to success at the, uh, at the highest level. Um, but there definitely is a lot of talent, um, just in general, just the game has changed. The kids that are that are playing nowadays, they're 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 more ready at a younger age, just with training and and you know like the the video and all the data that you have, and so so guys are just more prepared at a younger age, and and we're definitely seeing it. We're seeing it in baseball, like at the big league level right now, and and then you see it also, you know, with, with the Canadian players, same thing. Yeah, positive strides. Uh, for- most certainly. Uh, we got Russell Martin on the phone, former MLB catcher, four-time All-Star, Gold Glove winner, and obviously with our current Team Canada team headed to World Baseball Championships. So um, let's talk a little Blue Jays. So last uh, earlier this week, Jose Bautista, former teammate, um, added to the level of excellence here at the Rogers Center, going to be celebrated this August. Uh, he's got his own bobblehead. He's got a lot of fun things happening. Hopefully get a chance to come down. But um, you guys spent some time together with the Jays. You know, I'm sure it's hard to wrap up who Jose Bautista is in in a coherent couple sentences, but you're probably going to be asked about it a couple times here with this uh, level of excellence honor. What was it like being teammates with Jose? He's he's great. Um, he he's super professional. He he's he's one of those guys that, you know, I just never thought that he'd he'd stop playing because I just, he just took care of himself so well. And and that's one thing that you learn from Jose is. is as a professional, what you need to do to take care of your body to perform, you just kind of see what he did, and you're like, okay, this is what you need to do to, you know, to, to perform at a high level. And he was just really smart about it and, and deliberate with his work. Um, but we go way back. I mean, we went to junior college together, so I, I knew him even before that, you know, before, even before he was drafted. And um, and even then, you, you just he, he pitched and he played center field and he played different positions and. And he was talented at every position, and he swung like 96 miles an hour off the mound. So you could see that there was ability there. And for him, his journey, it, was, it took him kind of a while to, to kind of stick at the big league level. Um, but once he figured it out, it was just, you know, he was just making, you know, pitchers sweat left and right, you know, hit, hitting 50 homers one year. Um, I don't know how many times he went to the All-Star game, but once he figured it out, he just he put his foot on the pedal and he, he never let go. And, um you always knew that it was in there and it was just, it was just nice to see that he actually kind of put it together and it, and then he held it together for, for a long time. And if it wasn't for injuries, I think that he probably would have, you know, kept performing at a higher level, you know, probably late into his thirties, but a couple injuries kind of, you know, got in the way of that. 
Yeah, six-time All-Star. I just checked it out. Uh, definitely, definitely fitting for him, and it's going to be a pretty incredible celebration this August having him here. Um, you got an opportunity to be honored by the Jays last year on Canada Day, which seems like a long time ago. But I'm wondering your current like level of interaction with this team, um, if you're following closely, or just the level of uh, growth that you might have seen from some of these young guys that are now looking to to make this championship window in the next few years. Um, well, I mean, the, the, the Bichette's, the Vladdy's, uh, the, the BGO's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent on that team and, and, and the, the kids are, are starting to get a little bit more seasoned. So, um, they're a threat. I mean, offensively, um, you know, they play good defense. Um, I'm not watching every single game, but you know, it's just from afar, you can recognize, you know, how much talent is on that team. And, um, so so from afar, I'm watching, and, and, and it's as a fan, you just you love watching the kids play because they're just fun to watch, and, and you know there's a lot of offense there, and um, but it's just uh, you know there's, there's obviously more than one good team in that division, so um, it's going to be tough, but I definitely think they could do it. Yeah, I know the uh, the AL East is never easy, and I think in the last year or two we've seen that uh, very very up close and and personal. Um, Russell, just one more to here for you before we let you go. Um, new rule changes this year in the MLB, and I think we've we've all been trying to figure it out through spring training on how much of an impact we're going to see that with um, not only pitchers, which is pitch clock, but as a catcher, I think maybe underrated how much you'll have to adjust if you're playing with the different timing and, and managing signs. And so, um, what do you think the challenge? Is that a current catcher is going to have to face with the new pitch clock? Um, it was a great question. I think the biggest challenge is, is I think the more intense, you know, and important that the game gets, like late in games, and, and especially when we're going to get late in the season this year, I think we're going to start seeing some people get frustrated with the uh, being forced to, to, to make decisions quickly. And, and that's the one thing that's, you know, a bit. They're, they're trying to change the game for the better, and, and, and I get it. But when, you know, the season's on the line and, and, and like, one pitch can, can, can dictate, you know, whether you win or lose, um, 15 seconds to think about how you're pitching to one of the best hitters in baseball is going to be probably tough, you know. So, and I just I hate to, I hate to put somebody in, in a pressure situation where it's, you know, it's like it's a, there's a time constraint, and that's the reason why they're going to make a decision. It's like it's not – it doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel, you know, natural. So I think it'll be interesting to see, like, as we get later like later in the season and, and when things start getting really important, you know, how people react to, to all these changes. Yeah, I mean, we already saw in spring training um, a game, uh, bases loaded, two outs in the ninth inning, called on. I'm just like a, an, an automatic type of uh, pitch count. And, like, that's going to be tough if that's in the World Series. But, I mean, they will have all year to adjust to it, I guess. But it, it's definitely caused uh, a lot of c conversation here with us, nonetheless. I know there's, you know, a distinct possibility in the, f in the future that maybe the MLB would introduce an automatic strike zone. I mean, that seems like another crazy thing. But could you see any pro? and cons of, of that one, especially in your role as a catcher? Well, I mean, it, the automatic strike zone, I feel like it's going to be like the kiss of death because you could have, <laughs> pretty much have anybody catch behind there and it wouldn't really matter. And, and, and just me as a fan, when I'm watching the game of baseball, I love watching – I mean, I might be biased because I'm a catcher, but, you know, when I watch somebody catch and, and catches receives well, to me it's, it's fun to watch. It's like somebody that knows how to dance, you know, like – if I get to choose, I'm going to choose to watch somebody that knows how to dance. 
Um, and then watching somebody who doesn't receive as well, I just have, I have a hard time watching that. Um, and if you kind of take the importance away of, of the receiving part, well, then it's, you know, it becomes like more of an offensive-minded position where the guy just needs to produce runs, and, and as long as he can just catch the ball or knock it down, you know, that that's what matters. So, um, I don't know. That, that one was tough for me, and it just and it kind of takes the pulse away from the game because as a fan, when you're watching the game and umpire makes it back all, you get to kind of like chirp at him a little bit and like you get to, you get to chirp at a chirp at a computer, you know, or uh, like you know, it's going to be weird. So I don't know. It's to me, it's strange. I don't like that idea. Yes, technology can go maybe too far at times. I like human error, human uh, intensity. Of course, is something we need in baseball. So hopefully that one's a, a far ways down the road. Uh, I really appreciate you joining us today. Best of luck with the World Baseball um, Classic. We're excited to cheer Canada on, even if the jerseys aren't uh, the most stunning. But you know what? They've got some wins in it. We believe. Well, we hope so. <laughs> Thanks so much. Hopefully, chat with you All soon. Right. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care. That was Russell Martin, former MLB catcher, four-time All-Star Gold Glove winner, and current Team Canada coach. Canada plays their opening game of the World Baseball Classic on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern against Great Britain. I'm looking forward to it. Not Wales. No, not Wales. We're back into this dilemma. Wait, do they have Wales? No, I don't think... No, they don't have Wales. No, but... It's the United Kingdom. Yes, see, Uh, this is already the... Man, I I thought I had it down. And they're going to play... They're in a group with the U.S., Mexico, Colombia, and Great Britain. Are you? What's your level of excitement for it? I'm fired up after talking to Russell. You gonna carve some space out on the couch for 3 p.m. on Sunday? I will already be on the couch 3 p.m. Sunday watching our players' championship go. Right. And our managers. Quadruple screen, maybe. What is your TV setup? Do you have a couple? I have one television. I don't live in a house like you in Vaughn with a okay, backyard okay, and three okay. floors I don't, and a garage. I don't have, I want to get that though. Garbage I get, bins on the curb. I want to get the two TV setup at least. I'm usually, uh. Not there yet though. I got Sportsnet now and I got Rogers Ignite, big company gal. And I put them up on my screens. I got an iPad and I got a laptop and a cell phone. And if I really so need to, I could go sports. four sports. I've had to before. <laughs> there was one week where we had. Uh, Raptors and Leafs at the same time, and there was uh, maybe October baseball mm-hmm. and football. I can't. My brain was bleeding. I feel like I can't absorb two at the same time. Like they you could can't. be on, but I can't. Like I can't talk about it if I'm not like actively watching it. And it's just too. And also, they all have to be on mute except for one. Like if I hear like, oh yeah, sounds of Dan Schulman mixed with Ben Wagner mixed with Alvin Williams mixed with Chris Cuthbert, I'm gonna lose my mind you are a big company gal <laughs> that's right <laughs> do you want to quickly touch on another company guy speaking of company guys breaking pending news from jeff merrick breaking tweeting jeff merrick at six fifty nine a.m things are definitely moving in philadelphia not 100 percent sure where it's headed but today could be a big day for the flyers so what do you think happened this morning woke up to a text flyer watch i'd like to know how these things work with insiders but i guess we could ask merrick i don't us. think he would tell us actually it's top secret so what do you think that means is that torts i out? think it's torts is that chuck fletcher out Ooh. is that both out should we be talking about something with ownership great, something with being out given that they hired both these two gentlemen who clearly haven't done great work for the last ownership five years at march 10th uh probably not yeah you're right well, March 10th, be, March 10th isn't the issue, but, like, how long is this Ottawa Senators sale taking? 
I guess it True. takes a little while. They I don't think prove, it's like you tap your card people. on their interact machine. But maybe, maybe ownership would be like, hey, and we're step taking a. I think it's towards detached approach here moving forward I because feel t- we haven't made the right decisions. I'm in the torts boat. You're in the torts boat. On the torts side of the Venn diagram. I think I'm on the Chuck side. All right. We'll see. It's a duel. <laughs> it's a duel. <laughs> Something's going on Another in Philly. Another duel. Another opportunity for one of us to be right and wrong. And if we're doing wake and rakes, it's been me wrong That's right. a we'll, lot. We'll recently. change it up, buddy. I don't know where to go to tonight. You're like coaching me up on the break. Hey, maybe maybe go golf today. Just try some different. I have been. I've I've ran the gamut. I went narrative play with a Hall of Famer yesterday. I was yeah, trying to check tough. every box. Before that, I was doing like the the NHL bad team on the second half of back to back. Like those are two check marks. I'm trying to find it. When you're down, you're down. But it's Friday, and let's turn the vibe around. All right. Did I just rhyme that? Damn. Uh, Nick Kiprios on the other side of the break. Are the Leafs the best Canadian team? They're going to see one of them on Saturday night. Let's chat.